Hello and welcome to episode 263 of the Football Index Club daily podcast. Today I have Football Index Moneyball on the podcast. Kevin, how are you doing today? Uh, doing all right, all things considered. Yeah, with that Man United score, 3-1 yeah, defeat at home. Wasn't great. Uh, Maguire's just an absolute disgrace, I think. And I mean, Lindelof as well wasn't great. I just think we need two new centre-backs, to be honest. And I, I hope they were trying to send a message to the to the board to buy some more players, maybe. Uh, yeah, it was do, just a mess. Do you think you'll buy anyone in January? Uh, I think they'll buy some more players this window. I really think they need a centre-back, like, desperately. Mm. Um, I do think they could do with a right-winger. I don't know if Sancho's on the table, but even if they... like, I've seen them link with Douglas Costa. I think that would be a good signing, just for, like, a stopgap. Yeah. Well, it's ironic in a way that Van der Beek comes on and gets a goal, and that's the, the player that you maybe didn't need so much as some centre-backs, but he's ended up getting a goal. Uh, so that's a good start for him, at least. Yeah, it was a good finish. It just dropped to him. It was, you know, a bit of a fluky one. The the defender banged it into one of the other defenders and then it bounced to DeBake and he put it away. Yeah, classic DeBake. He is a good finisher and he does get into some good positions. So he's a decent signing, but as you say, it's the defence that really need to tighten up. And in terms of your week as a holding on Football Index, how have you found things? It's been a bit of a wild week, hasn't it? Uh, I've definitely been checking it more, but overall, I wasn't like I've said to everybody who's asked me and on you know John's stream as well. Like I'm not worried at all. Uh, I still say that it was probably one person or or a group of people who started the slide. I think it maybe was perpetuated by the other traders from there, but it didn't really. I, I knew there was going to be a resolution, and eventually it was going to go back to normal. And I hadn't. And hadn't really got any intention in selling any of my holds anytime soon. Um, and yeah, I guess it's nice. To, it's nice to see the the put price go up today with the the change to nine hundred shares from three hundred. It's amazing how much of a difference it made for for me. Anyway, I don't know. It was like up maybe ten percent yeah. from that, that immediate change. So it's uh, it's it looks like things are stabilized. But I think from it's I guess looking at Twitter some days is a bit tiresome just seeing all these people overreacting <laughs> yeah it's it's not been the best of weeks really uh, I think football index have got there in the end with these temporary measures but I think they need to just get the depth of the market added get the Nasdaq system in and just kind of make the market more stable more stable by kind of taking a step back uh, because it seems like at the moment again we're sort of betting on the system and not footballers. And I'd say that's been my biggest frustration with the platform now for probably about six months. I don't know, how have you found things in terms of like researching players and how valuable do you think that research is nowadays? I've not even done any because for that exact reason, I stopped I stopped doing my videos probably about six months now because I felt like it was impossible to predict things anymore. And, and I'm glad I did because like even all the players I've recommended last year, some of them have done really well, the ones that have had good good games and stuff but then there was players I recommended at say 80p which was a reasonable price and now they're down to 50p so but which is still a good price it's an even better price because the double double dividends and stuff but it's it's kind of you need some kind of stability to try and make any kind of predictions I think yeah it's really difficult and uh, there's so much volatility at the moment I mean you have to have almost a little bit of luck to really make your research result in good returns at the minute. Um, obviously, 
there's going to be some traders making much better returns than others. But like this week, for example, I highlighted six players on football index club. You had Sengazunda go up over 19%, and then you had Diego Jota go up over 27%, confirmed uh, move to Liverpool now, so that was a great time on him. And then today you had like Mittelstad got an assist for her from Berlin. They won 4-1 away at Werder Bremen, and he's gone up 30%. So three players there rising over 19%, half the players I highlighted on the site, which is great news, but I almost can't take full credit for that because part of the reason that that happened was due to me highlighting players before Football Index acted and added the stabilizers in, which led to quite a few players rocking up in price. Obviously, I got a bit lucky with the Jota under links and the middle side getting an assist, but still, it's like we're betting more on Football Index's decisions than players, and it's it's frustrating. I just I want Football Index to add a lot of IPOs. On them to make the market more stable by just having set rules that we trade within for a long period of time. Um, and even at the moment, there's still uncertainty because we don't know how long these temporary measures that Football Index have added at the moment are going to last for. So it is a bit of a frustrating time at the moment. And I think Football Index just need to um, step back uh, once everything is implemented and hopefully just let the market sort of do the talking and let the that traders sort of buy and sell players based on real life performances and their own research, really. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, I, I mean, I do, I do think a lot of the changes they made overall have been positive. Uh, the dividends going up is the main change that affects me. I don't, you know, the rest of it's all just noise. Uh, it get, I've put a lot of money in this week, or as much as I could afford, because I think it's a great opportunity to to get a big discount on players that really nothing's changed for. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you are focusing longer term, and me and you tend to do that really, um, then you can kind of forget in a way about all of these temporary changes. It is frustrating, but the value's there. So, as you say, you can kind of forget about the noise, you can forget about the price fluctuations. To some extent, you just pick up the value when there is value and maybe sell the players who are in a lot of demand right now and buy into the players who are perhaps out of demand. That would maybe be my advice at the moment because I think the players who are out of demand, uh, their prices are swinging far too, far too much. So they're going down more than they should, like an overreaction. And then the players that are in demand are maybe going up slightly, uh, maybe a fair bit for some players. Um, and so there's probably profit in the players who are particularly out of demand at the moment because once they get back into the team or they're playing well or they gain a transfer link, then that's when their price rockets. And that's what happened with Diego Jota earlier this week. Obviously, he was benched for Wolves and then a few days later, he signs for Liverpool. Uh, maybe that's just a one-off, but overall, that's where I see there an opportunity to make profit. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's... Um... It's just, I think the one thing the volatility has done for me is it's made my trading a little bit worse. It makes it harder to think long-term when things change so fast and you see the potential profits in the short term are so high. Um, I think if it, if it hadn't have been so crazy, I probably would have bought different players than who I have bought. Uh, but I'm still happy with them as long-term holds. I just don't think that I've been maximizing my profitability potential Oh yeah, the trades I've been making. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I feel very much the same. If I had have had a cash balance over the last week, then I probably would have made, well, I, I reckon if I had have picked the right players and if I had have picked the players that I highlighted on the side, for example, 
you know, you're looking at like a average return of about 10% in a week, perhaps. And I've not made 10% this week. Uh, so yeah, definitely poor trading on my end. I think having a cash balance nowadays is probably even more important than it used to be, or at least have that money in bids waiting um, at low prices instead of just instead of having the money already in place. But I guess everyone's kind of in that situation because everyone's in the past thought, oh, I've got a great opportunity with the matching games, you know, I'm going to buy a place at really low bids and then changes come in and prices haven't really gone up due to the lack of money in the market perhaps and maybe some uncertainty, people changing their risk tolerance, especially because of the volatility. And I think that's another problem that we had over the last few weeks is I just think there would have been a lot of traders signed up and then probably leave the market because it's been too volatile and people would have lost money and people would have decided it's not for them. And that's maybe one of my biggest frustrations. But yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty, which probably shouldn't I probably shouldn't grumble too much. It's it's just me having a grumble. Um, and yeah, I think we're kind of back on track now overall. We've got a few weeks to wait. Um, I think the market will be more stable. We've got the market downtime between eleven and seven thirty. Nasdaq technology comes in, you've got the um, new rules with the, the order books and uh, with the depth of the market, I think that's the main thing that will definitely stabilize the market uh, because we'll actually understand what's going on. Hopefully, uh, it's going to be upwards from here, I suppose. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's just a big learning curve for them. I do think that it's a little bit poor that they didn't predict that that could happen because I, I knew that that was a potential hazard of having order books is people can crash it really fast. And one of the things I used to really like about FI before they introduced order books at all was the fact that they had built-in crash protection because they can turn off instant sell if things yeah. go crazy. And, and that was the thing that kept it stable. But I guess eventually they were always going to remove that feature. It's, it's just like, I feel like it's like the Wild West right now on, on FI and, <laughs> and like there's no rules and you don't know what, what's what and no one knows how it's supposed to behave. Yeah, but that's that's the time where you know fortunes are made. I guess is once it's stabilised, then everyone can see the potential again, and then people start ploughing money in again. So every time things have gone wrong at FI, I've put more money in because I've always had confidence they were going to fix it because they need it to be, to work in order for them to make money. So I think I I just always keep that same confidence that they will figure it out and it's going to get better. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the big thing about Football Index and what makes them so different to the different betting companies out there is that Football Index need to listen to their customers, whereas other betting companies can be quite happy making a profit because people are still going to bet. But with Football Index, it's like if you lose the customers, if the customers of the Football Index community aren't on Football Index's side, then the market's just going to decline and people are going to lose confidence and there's going to be a whole host of problems. And so that's why Football Index need to act really um, when there is ever like a problem. Like that has been this last week and they have acted. They've sort of put these stabilizers in that I call them. Um, and yeah, the market's sort of operating a little bit better on screen. But the other frustration for me is that these prices aren't really real again. You know, these they're not really showing the true demand for players. And there's some crazy price rises today I think this is partly due to the new system with the, you can put a bid in now up to a hundred pounds on a player, but I think you can only offer your shares at one P below the current market price. You've got like Dominic Calvert-Lewin today up 62 P to £2.44. 
Gabriel Jesus up 56p to £3.30, Sancho's up 54p to £13.46, Zaha's up 52p to £1.97. So a few of those players are rebounding from big drops recently. But I just wanted to get your views on some of those players that have risen huge amounts today. Well, I think that the, the IPD promotions obviously creating a lot of volatility and upwards movement when there's people scoring hat-tricks and stuff. But just on the fact that you can only go 1p below, I actually think that's not a bad idea. Um, it doesn't mean that you can that the price can't drop more than 1p. It just means you have to fill it up to 900 shares. Or in fact, you only have to fill it up to about 500 shares, 1p below, and then it'll drop the price by 1p, and then you can bid 500 shares below that. So if people want to sell, then it's going to go down and it's going to drop, but it's going to drop in a more organized manner rather than people racing to the bottom. It's going to be, you know, stably dropping to ref to reflect realistically who, how many people want to sell that fast. Yeah, I suppose the only real problem is maybe the lack of um, liquidity, uh, the lack of trading, because because what it's doing is it's creating wider spreads again, like we had when the matching engine was first introduced. Like, I've got one player, for example, that I had, and I listed him, and he went down about, I don't know, 20 30%, say. Unlisted him uh, the other day, and he's gone back up 20 30%, and then I put him up for sale, and he's gone down 1% or 2%. But realistically, I'd be happy to sell him at 10% below his current price, given the current circumstances. Um, but no one wants to buy him but even like 40% below his current market price. So yeah, I guess you're just going to have to be even more patient now with a few, a few sales, but I think that will pick up once the market is more stable again, because I just think generally there will be more demand in a few weeks' time uh, once things are more stable. So hopefully that won't be too much of a problem, I suppose, because the value is there. Yeah, and I think part of it is the fact that like I've been buying players at buy price today because... And, and even this week, because the prices were so low, I've just been paying the buy price. And when I put bids in, they're not getting matched. So I think it's, it's the, the widespread is not just because no one wants the players. It's because people are willing to pay the buy price. Because you've got to remember, the spread is what people are bidding. Like, I put bids in, I'd leave them for a day. No one would match them. And I'm like, well, I'm actually happy to pay the buy price because I still think the good value at that. So it's, it's not always a negative to have the widespreads. I think it's an interesting concept to think about the fact that no shares have disappeared in the last week. No matter, the price might have changed, but somebody's hoovered up all those shares that were worth, you know, 20, 30% more last week. So those people, if, if dividends come in, they're going to absolutely rake it in. Mm. Yeah. So there's no benefit to FI to what's happened other than the fact that they, they benefited a lot from sales of players but i feel i feel like they're going to lose out a lot on ipds because so many players so many shares transferred hands in that time yeah yeah I, I agree i also just think that a lot of these rises at the moment are probably unlisting um as well so i, I don't think the demand is, is necessarily there for a lot of players but anyway we'll move on to a few of the, the 24-hour rises here with the highest pb scoring players because one of the best things about today and this week is probably just football generally being back. Because if you have a look at the players who have hit PV scores of over 200 today, every player's up over 10%. This just looks like what the market needed. You've got Kramerich, and obviously this is partly due to the IPDs, but let me just read out these percentage rises because I don't know if we're ever going to have a match day quite like this. Obviously, it's been the, it's the first gold match day under the new payouts. And these are the kind of rises that you can't get. And this also shows why patience is going to be so key throughout the season. 
Andre Kramaric up 35%, Michael Keane's up 92%. Um, so, yeah, that's just a mad amount. Uh, Gail Kakuta's up 44%, Wilfred Zaha's up 35%, Helder Costa's up 22%, Talbot Lewin's up 33%, Hamas Rodriguez up 12%. So, that is a massive positive, I think, for the platform just to see those players. I've hit high PB scores rising so much, and I think that should probably evoke some more confidence in people's holds who have uh, got a lot of potential to hit high PB scores in the future, at least. Yeah, I think you're right there. Um, I, it's funny, I used to own Cramrich and Michael Key. <laughs> really? they're, on, they're on track to make a huge amount of profit today, but I sold them both last year. Uh, well, that's just the way it goes. Uh, I don't think I've ever held either of them, but... Yeah, I mean, how many, how many shares have you bought, I guess, over the last two seasons? There must be a lot. Yeah, but Cramerich especially was one that I'd identified as... The first year I joined FI, I feel like Cramerich did really well. Whenever he scored, he seemed to win PB. Yeah, did, didn't he? I'm sure last season at the end, he, hit, he scored like five goals or something crazy, right? He got Yeah, he won PB at the end of last year, and he was injured for a lot of last season as well. Yeah, he's a goal scorer. I mean, the guy gets goals. He's going to be playing... For Croatia, like the Euros and the World Cup, over the next two seasons, I assume. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a, uh, and he was he used to play for Leicester, didn't he? Ah, you might, might have done. I don't think he did particularly well there. No, he didn't. He's like a failed Premier League player who moved yeah. on. But I feel like a lot of players in the Prem just don't get a fair shake. Yeah, yeah, and I think did we speak about this recently? Oh, I'm sure I was speaking to someone about this recently. How uh, certain players that have like a bad a bad spell in the Premier League get massively overlooked on Football Index. I'm sure I was talking about this, uh, about Jordan Henderson as well on the podcast. Um, this one. Yeah, and Berg Weiss was the other one that we were talking about because he scored two goals last week, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Um, talking about players in non-PB leagues as well, there's been a few players uh, do well as well. Angel Gomez got a couple of assists. I was looking through the Portuguese leagues today on who scored and he's up 44 feet to pound fifty-one as well. Still got a massive spread, but I imagine that's someone unlisting came through to him having a good game. I think he's at Boa Vista now. Um, so, yeah, that, that was an interesting one that I noticed too. Anyway, I think we should probably wrap up here. We've spoken a fair bit about what's going on throughout the markets, but any final words today, Kevin? No, I just think, like, if anyone is still worried about it, I think the worst is behind us now. The, the measures they've put in are definitely going to prevent that kind of thing happening again. Mm. Um and I just think the best thing that could possibly happen is we can be two or three months into the season with the Europa League and Champions League going on. Once that, once we get to that point, I think people are going to be more excited about football again. Like even though they've, they've, we've had games for the last few weekends, now seems to be where things are really kicking off. Yeah, yeah. Even last season, it was a bit mismatched. You didn't have like a consecutive few months where all five leagues were playing. So. I think we just need that. Um, I think that'll really help things out. And I'd probably say right now, because Football Index have made these changes and they've listened to their customers and they understand that generally people don't want the extreme volatility. I think the biggest risk, to be fair, for the next maybe six months is probably COVID and football being cancelled again. Other than that, I think the transition into the forward book system with the depth of the market should be should be fairly sound. That'd be my opinion anyway at this point. Yeah, I think that's that's what I think as well. COVID's the biggest risk. I think it'd be yeah. very hard on everyone if there was another shutdown, not just football, but like just mentally it'd be tough. I know um where I'm from, Lancashire apparently is shutting down next week. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it's, but, it's pissing me off, but I guess everyone's in a similar situation. Just, just want to see my mum a bit more, that's all. <laughs> but, yeah, there we go. Anyway, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, an emotional farewell for the end of this episode. Um, sorry. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Kevin. I do appreciate your time. I hope everyone's enjoyed the podcast. And thanks for listening. I hope you have a great rest of your day. But I'm sure I will be seeing her soon enough. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Kevin. I do appreciate your time as always. Thank you to everyone out there who has listened to this pod. I hope you've enjoyed the episode and I hope you have a great rest of your day.